Well, uh, it's really lovely to be with you again, and uh, I'm going to read from my Bible, and uh, maybe you want to follow along in your Bibles. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're going to read there from chapter 1. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, Paul, of course, uh, brought the gospel to the, the people in Corinth, and uh, They've been visited by other people as well. And uh, that's the sort of background to what we're going to read. So 1 Corinthians 1 from verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with eloquent words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And moving into chapter three that now, from verse five, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God forgives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it now. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Well, amen, and we thank God for his word, and uh, we pray that he will give us understanding of it. I, I don't know how you are feeling at this moment. Uh, I'm, I'm privileged to uh, go around different churches, and um, you know some are quite upbeat at the moment now that restrictions are lifting. And others actually are quite the opposite. They're actually a wee bit tired out uh, through lockdown. And it's not easy for some congregations just to pick up the reins again and to get going again. But you know, that, that's a bit like Christian life in general. Maybe uh, Van Gogh is not the, the obvious person you would think of to bring a quote from, because he ended his life very sadly, he ended his own life. But he said this on one occasion, there is always ebb and there's always flow, but the sea is the sea. 
you know, there's ebb and flow, isn't there, in our Christian life? And one of my favorite uh, writers, a Roman Catholic uh, by the name of Henry Nouwen, uh, he took up that quote from Van Gogh. Uh, and I just want to, to read this to you as a prayer because I think it's very beautiful. Uh, some of you may feel you're, you're in the flow of God. Others may feel at this point, you know what, my, my strength is ebbing away. My enthusiasm for the Lord is ebbing away. I'm coming to church, but my heart isn't really in it. So in a gathering like this, there'll be people that are flowing and there will be people in whom the, the tide is going out. It's just the way it will be in any gathering of people. But remember, the sea is the sea. That's the important thing. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to Henry Nouwen's prayer. You are the sea. Although I experience many ups and downs in my emotions and often feel great shifts and changes in my inner life, you remain the same. Your sameness is not the sameness of a rock, but the sameness of a faithful lover. Out of your love, I came to life. I was born again. By your love, I am sustained. And to your love, I am always called back. There are days of sadness and days of joy. There are feelings of guilt and feelings of gratitude. There are moments of failure and moments of success, but all of them are embraced by your unwavering love. O oh Lord, sea of love and goodness, let me not fear too much the storms and winds of my daily life. And let me know there is ebb and flow, but the sea remains the sea. Amen. I don't know where you feel New Beginnings Church is at the moment. Again, if we were to take a sort of straw poll, maybe some of you would say, well, I think it's going well. Maybe some of you would say, well, I'm not so sure. I can remember days when it was more lively. I don't know what you would say or think what the collective feeling would be about New Beginnings Church. Can I say from experience that in the life of a church, there's always ebb and flow. But the important thing is this, the unwavering love of God. And that's what you're in. And that's what you can never be removed from. I, I felt that I had to bring a particular uh, challenge, having, having said that unwavering love of God as what we're meeting in now and where we're thinking and where we're looking at God's word from. I felt I was to bring a challenge to you and I hope that's okay and that you'll hear it from the basis of the God's unwavering, of God's unwavering love for you. And you'll hear it because I love you in the Lord. As I go about churches, I see that there is one great enemy of what God wants to do. And it's when this unity comes into a fellowship. It's when division comes into a fellowship. And I honestly don't know because I do pray to the Lord about what to say 
any time I'm coming into a gathering. I don't know if there has been this unity. I don't know if there will be. That there will always be challenges to unity at some point or another. Be sure of that. Because we talk about spiritual battles. I, I like what Hugh Black of Struthers said. He said, the devil comes in on the wing of the ordinary. He comes in upon the wing of our frustrations with one another, our petty annoyances with one another. He comes in on the wing of pride or unforgiveness. He loves to disrupt Christian fellowships. And I'm about to go back to, to Lewis for a few months. And this is the last chance I've got to speak to you. And I feel this is a message that I've been given. Will you do your best to keep the unity of the spirit, to preserve the bond of peace in this place? You know, you're called new beginnings. Just about everybody here, if not everybody is born again, you have been loved into newness of life and you want that message to get out there. But if the love of God among you is disturbed, then there is no credibility out there. It's really important that we guard our hearts and keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We read from chapters one and three there of First Corinthians. And you would have heard, even if you've never read before, you would have heard that this congregation that began in the love of God that began in an experience of the cross that Christ, that, that Paul preached. And he reminds them here of how that was his message. And when we preach the cross, and when we come to the cross, we're in a place of level ground, are we not? We're in a place where all divisions on the human level don't matter. We're in that place of kneeling on level ground at the place of God's forgiveness and grace that all of us need. That's how the church in Corinth had begun. But did you notice from our reading that now that unity in the cross was being disturbed, there were different factions. And you remember that some were saying, I'm of Paul. And others were saying, I'm of Cephas. And Simon Peter and others were saying, I'm of Apollos. And the unity of this people was being disturbed. And the sad thing is that to be strong, they, they needed what each of these people represented. And it wasn't that certain factions should own what each of these people represented. The whole congregation needed what Paul brought and what Simon Peter brought and what Apollos brought. 
What did Paul bring? Well, I believe that he brought to the congregation that formed in Corinth, I believe that he brought that message of the cross of Christ and the undivided, un the, the, the unconditional love of God that comes to us at the cross of Christ. And everybody, no matter their social standing, embraced that message. But you know what had happened in Corinth? That oneness at the foot of the cross had become divided. That oneness in the cross that Christ preached had become divided. And I didn't know you were going to celebrate communion today, but one of the places it was evident in Corinth that it had become divided was at communion. And you can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And what happened apparently in Corinth was that communion was within the setting of a meal. And it seems that there were some rich people in Corinth, maybe not many rich believers, but there were some. And what happened was that they rushed to the meal ahead of everybody else. And they ate all the food and they drank all the wine. And then when the poor people, the slaves at the end of the day got through with their slavery and through with their work, they came along and they found that all the food and all the wine that were part of the celebration of communion, it was all gone. It was, it, it, it had disappeared. And Paul says this, this is why some of you have fallen ill and some of you have died because God is judging you for the way that you're celebrating communion. You're actually despising the poor for whom Christ died. And the very bread and wine that was meant to be a symbol of their unity had become actually a place of disunity where people were being despised. The poor were being treated as though they were worthless. Nobody waited for them. Nobody included them. And so this cross that Paul actually preached where we all find the grace of God together. In communion, that very cross was being despised. And people were neither regarding Christ's body crucified on the cross for them. And they were not regarding the body of Christ, which is the church. Friends, can I ask you, just as you come to communion, one of the things we're told to do in 1 Corinthians 11, this is what Paul says to that divided people, where people were treating others with disdain rather than giving them worth. He says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. And he doesn't say examine yourself and stay away. He says examine yourself. Is there anything of this in you? Are, are you despising or looking down on anyone in the fellowship? Are you looking down on anyone for whom Christ died on the cross? As the bread is broken and the wine is, is, is taken and shared among us. What's your relationship with your fellow believers like? 
before the bread and the wine reaches you, is there something you just need to confess? Is there something you just need to ask for forgiveness for? In terms of how you're thinking, how you're acting, how you're relating or not relating, perhaps to somebody else in this very room today. Do we need to get back to the cross that Paul preached and kneel there together as one? In need of God's forgiveness and grace and expressing that forgiveness and grace to one another. So there was those who said that they followed Paul and far from his cross becoming a unifying factor, it had become a divisive factor. As was seen in, in the remembering of that cross at communion. And then there were those who followed Apollos and Apollos was the, the great Bible teacher in the days of the early church, you know that. And can I say that in order to preserve your unity, we need the Bible. Isn't it sad that people were using the Bible teaching of Apollos to form a little sect? We're the ones who know the Bible because we've been taught by Apollos. I wonder if some of us are using the Bible against one another. Instead of using the Bible to build one another up. You know, there's such power in the word of God. I loved what was shared at the start of the service. Was it, uh, was it Uganda? I can't remember. And, and uh, when, when the word of God was opened up and it was shown to that person, they experienced the power of that word. There's power in the word of God. When I was uh, just a new Christian, uh, my sister and I changed church because the church we were in, the word of God wasn't being preached. And we went to a church where the word of God was being preached. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was St. George's Tron in Buchanan Street in Glasgow. And there was a wonderful minister there called George Duncan. And he was followed by another wonderful minister called Eric Alexander, who was a wonderful teacher of the word of God. And, and my life started to change so much through the teaching of the word of God that I actually kept a journal in a diary, and would write in how the preaching of God's word was changing my life day by day and week by week as I came under its power and under its authority. It's a shame that some were owning the Bible teaching of Apollos as though it was their peculiar possession rather than the possession of all the people in Corinth. We need to come under the authority together of the word of God to preserve our unity. Do you know one of the dangers that I see as I go around congregations is that the word of God, instead of people coming under its authority together, 
people arise with their own ideas. And they push their ideas. And the church becomes run by people's ideas rather than the church as a whole coming under the authority of the word of God. Friends, this congregation, this fellowship means a lot to me. I, I want you to be one at the cross, but I want you to be one under the authority of the word of God as well. Because I'll tell you what happens if we don't come under the word of God together. Somebody will arise, or a group will arise, or opinions will arise. And I don't know if you've heard of something called the Jezebel spirit. But you know Jezebel in the Old Testament? She wanted to silence the word of the prophets of God in order to get her own way in the land. And friends, that Jezebel spirit, it is so common in congregations and fellowships today that people arise who want their ideas, their will to prevail instead of humbly coming together week by week, under the authority of the word of God. And so I'm encouraging you. I don't know when I'll next get the chance to speak to you. I'm encouraging you, will you get back to the cross that Paul preached together? Will you make sure you stay under the authority of the scriptures that Apollos was so brilliant at expounding. And what about Cephas, Simon Peter? Why were folk attracted to him? Well, I think they were attracted to him because he was a link with the original Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you had Paul's cross, you had Apollos preaching the scriptures, and with Cephas, what fascinated people about him was here was a link with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He'd been with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He'd walked with Jesus. And what an appeal that must have had. Friends, as well as getting back to the cross, as well as coming under the scriptures, will you supremely remember it's all about Jesus? Would you supremely long for this more than anything? That this fellowship would have the fragrance of Jesus Christ about it. That somehow the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would, would be able to find a dwelling place among you because he sees that you want who he really is.
and you really want to make room for his heart, for the real Jesus. I was speaking to a gathering of leaders not terribly long ago. It was online, but it was for leaders down south. And at the end of it was an interview. And the person asked me, have you got, have you got a prophetic word for, for us? And uh, at that point, I didn't have a prophetic word, but then instantly one came. And what I saw was something very similar to something I'd seen years ago in connection with clan gathering. What I saw was a, a picture of a big top, you know, a circus big top. And every seat round the ring was filled. And I could see some of the faces they were faces of believers that I knew, but I couldn't make out all the faces, but I knew from the faces I could see, this was Christians gathered around the ring. <laughs> but they were not waiting for a show. They were waiting for the king. And into the ring strode a lion. And I knew that that represented Jesus. It was Aslan. It represented Jesus. And he started to walk around the ring. And the thing is, it was not him who was in show. It was the people round the ring who were on show. And he was looking at them. And he was looking intently into the eyes of every single person gathered around that ring. And he was looking for this. Does this person have my heart? Can I dwell here in all my fullness? Can this be my dwelling place? Can this be my throne? From this life and from this people together, can my life dwell here and overflow into the world. And I have never seen such eyes of penetration. He was looking for his own heart in those who claimed to be his people. That heart that in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John lived out the message that he brought. Do you remember the message that Jesus brought? The kingdom of heaven is close to people. The God of heaven in all his love and all his power is close to real people with real needs. And he showed that and proved that by everything he did and everything he taught. Friends, the question I, I want to leave you with 
And I want you to answer it individually. If Jesus looks into your eyes today, what does he see? Does he see that you share his heart? Does he see that you know the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Does he see that you want the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? That you're not interested in church becoming a show. You're interested in his presence coming into the midst, in his presence being able to dwell here because he finds a resting place here for his own heart. To bring the love, to bring the power of God into a broken, fractured world. Wasn't it wonderful that Graham just stopped to pray for families? How broken families would become. How fractured society is. And it's so easy for Christians just to look in judgment. Oh, that's because the forsaken God. Do, do we have the heart of Jesus that has compassion upon a fractured world and fractured families and fractured people? It's so sad, the divisions that were happening in Corinth. Because they all needed what Paul represented. They all needed what Simon Peter represented. They all needed what Apollos represented. I love this fellowship. I think it's got a future in God. I really, really do. I've visited other fellowships in the last few months. I do not believe they have a future in God. And the key difference is that I sense there is a love and a friendliness here amongst you. That doesn't mean that there'll never be fallouts, but there's a basic love here, the love of Jesus. And Morgan, I feel that when we come in, we love coming here. I go to other fellowships. And there is an atmosphere of blame and pointing the finger. You've got something very, very precious here. And Satan would love to disturb it. Will you do your best to be as one in Christ?
Will you remember that you're one at the cross? We're given the chance to remember that today. Can I ask you, will you examine yourself before you take the bread and wine? And will you put any seeds of disunity under the blood of Jesus before the bread and wine reaches you? Will you come back to the original finding of the love of God and just kneel on the same level as everybody else in this place? In the need of God's grace. Will you stay committed to coming under the authority of Scripture together? Not pushing for your own way, but being taught of God. And maybe there are not many people around who have the eloquence of Apollos. But one of your own shared something of the word of God today. Will you keep coming under the authority of the word of God? And see fast. I think it's time to get back to the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I look at some things that come onto the God channels and the satellite channels. And you know what I think? I think, uh, how did this, how did this become that? I don't see any relationship. When I look at Jesus, this is the fragrance that I get from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A heart of sheer compassion. No matter how broken somebody is, no matter how written off, no matter how rejected or despised. And how people out there need to hear that that's so. So I hope to see you again when we come back from Stornoway. But I know, remember Paul, he knew on occasion that after he went, wolves were going to come in and they were going to divide the flock. He always knew there was the potential for disunity. Time and time again, that's what he writes about in his letters. I'll close with somebody, something that he says in Philippians. We've been looking at Corinthians. In Philippians, he's in jail. And he says, you know, this is what I want to hear in jail. This is the message I want to hear about you in Philippi. I want to hear that you're standing side by side with one another.
for the sake of the gospel. And the imagery there is one of those Roman formations, you know, with all the shields. Can you imagine if you were under that shield and instead of advancing against the enemy, you decided to stick your sword into the thigh of the person next to you? The whole thing would collapse and you'd become vulnerable to attack. I'm no Paul, but I wonder if I can leave you with this charge. I would love to hear in Stornoway that you're standing side by side, not sticking a sword into one another, but standing side by side, one at the cross, under the scriptures, full of the lovely fragrance of Jesus. May it be so, for his glory's sake. Amen.